Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 70 of Unblocking Crypto. And Hal, great to see you as always. See you, Jason. Some big news happening just, some of it just hours ago. The SEC has sued both Binance and Coinbase. So it's kind of the, the news we've been almost expecting it's going to happen at some point, but uh, this is going to be talked about for quite some time, especially since it's probably going to be in the courts for years to come at this point. Yeah, this is um, this is the, the real headline news stuff. This is the stuff that really matters. I mean, some some weeks we talk about things and we're throwing in different advancements for different cryptos or you know some of these things that El Salvador does that inch forward. But like this is hundreds of pages of what the SEC thinks about Binance, Coinbase, unregistered securities. We kind of get to actually see what they think instead of hearing these little snippets from different committee hearings or press conferences and things from Gary Gensler. So, so yeah, this is this is kind of the thing where they they they're really starting to set the set the bar, you know, draw out the the map for exchanges and broker dealers and all of that for uh for cryptocurrencies so this is uh yeah big news and it'll be like uh back and forth and like you know i mean ripple how long has ripple been engaged in the, in the lawsuit with uh with the sec it's been like three years at least right yeah over two years for sure yeah yeah so i mean i read a little bit about binance the coinbase stuff that happened this morning i haven't had a chance to dive into but it was like 13 different securities violations that I think the SEC was saying Binance and and specifically going after CZ, the CEO of Binance as well, that they had yeah. broken. So a lot of it is, I guess we'll see what really happens. If you paid attention to CZ at the beginning of this year, he listed four things that he was going to try to almost stay away from. And number four was FUD. <laughs> Right. And so he tweeted out just the number four in reference to this being a bunch of FUD. How true it is, I guess we'll, we'll see. Right. I mean, this is going to go to the courts and kind of you just mentioned Ripple, which is kind of interesting because what it sounds like is there's a very positive spin coming out of the whole Ripple case at some point here in the near future since the Hinman documents were just released, I think, today in that case. So we should start hearing some more insight here in the next week or so after everybody gets a chance to look at it and that was the documents that had pretty much come out and said ethereum is not a security so we'll yeah. see what happens yeah and it sounds like two of the three judges on the panel are being very critical of the sec's position which indicates that they are um leaning towards ripple you know judging in ripple's favor so we'll see i mean that's these are the things where brand new technologies, innovations, and things pop up. Then a decade later, the the government's able to kind of start to respond and figure out what they think about it and use 80-year-old legislation and, and regulations to try to shoehorn the new stuff into it. And, uh, you know, it's just real clumsy. I still don't think that the United States is very interested in stopping cryptocurrency com cryptocurrency completely and certainly not bitcoin so i think they're uh the you know obviously biden the biden administration is much more anti-bitcoin than really but definitely the trump administration and really any of the democratic or republican republican candidates that i've heard talk 
they've only got they don't have much time to do to do a whole lot as far as regulation goes i mean it, it takes the government moves too slow so i don't know that the Biden administration will be able to install anything substantial before the election i mean i, I guess if they win another four years they can do whatever they want but Watching com- watching companies move overseas, like uh, watching watching Jack Mallers move headquarters in El Salvador, they've got to understand that that's that's going to happen if they aren't friendly. And what other industries are booming? Electric cars it seems to be a growth industry, but I mean everything else is pretty flat. Well, to me, it's one of those things. If you wanted to kind of sneak under the radar, you wouldn't have the SEC sue both Binance and Coinbase. Because now they're going to be in the news constantly. Two of the largest exchanges out there that have tons of money and are have already said they plan on fighting this no matter what. Uh, and and if in reality, the SEC is what three months after the CFTC. So the CFTC had sued Binance back in March, <laughs> saying right. that they had sued uh, uh, um, offered unregistered crypto derivatives. Right. So. You haven't really heard much about the CFTC, but SEC has been the one creating all the waves. And now that they're getting involved, I think this becomes a much bigger topic. And then you have the happening right before the election next year, too. So Bitcoin and crypto in general is going to be in the news quite a bit before the election. And it should be one of the things that a lot of people pay attention to. Yeah, that's a good point, because all of this stuff could be in the news, you know, big time as as these these lawsuits kind of come together and you know, they're pumping out news in the fall and winter of next year when traditionally that's that'll be when the price action starts to really kick off. And so that would be that'd be pretty interesting. I definitely feel like the candidates I've listened to for the 2024 election have started to equate like freedom and the ability to operate with Bitcoin and, you know, cryptocurrencies in general. But It'll be interesting to see how politicians handle handle this. It was a little bit in the 2020 election discussion. I think it'll be a lot more in the 2024 election. They, they won't have as much uh, nonsense to talk about. And there's more people involved. I think I think I saw Coinbase was over 100 million users in the United States. Does that ring a bell? Or maybe it was combined, combined Binance and, and Coinbase. Either way, there's, you're talking about a double digit percentage of the United States safely, right? So, yeah, I want to say, I think I saw it was at least 25% of US citizens own crypto, right? Which, considering that only half the US citizens actually vote, you're theoretically saying half the people that could possibly vote could determine the election. <laughs> right. I mean, and I, I mean, I guess I don't have anything to prove it, but I would assume a lot of people that have enough discretionary income that can get involved in cryptocurrency would also would would be more inclined to be on the voting population i think there's a lot of non-voting population in the in the lower 60 70 percent and more a, a greater percentage of the voting population in the upper 30 percent so uh so yeah i think i think they're going to have to address this yeah and then during all this you know it's somewhat minor news but one of the execs at Binance has been promoted to oversee all of Binance's regional overseas locations. So Richard Kang, who I think he started out doing Singapore or or something in the Far East, he was running that small piece of Binance and he's kind of worked his way up and CZ has mentioned that he's kind of grooming him to become the next CEO of Binance. 
he'll theoretically control everything outside of the U.S. <laughs> to kind of focus on that, and I guess let CZ and the rest of the Binance team worry about what the SEC has just done. But his background has been on the regulatory side in Singapore and I think Malaysia. Uh, no, Abu Dhabi, I think it is. So yeah, he's he has a lot of that background and he's working. I mean, shoot, you look at Binance, they're only six years old, which is crazy, right? I mean, yeah. to be that this large of a company at six years old, uh, they have over 750 compliance officers in the company. So either they're following the rules <laughs> or they found the ways to get around on one of the two. To, to employ that many people, you got to be doing something with them, right? Well, that's what I was going to say next is, Coinbase and Binance have known that this is coming for years. So I'm curious to see just how well prepared they are. And I'm curious to see if they get similar results out of these lawsuits or if they get divergent results out of these lawsuits. I would assume they would be similar. I mean, the, the two companies are super similar. Binance does a little bit more derivative options stuff, future stuff, you know, like kind of second order investment type of stuff where Coinbase... Coinbase is really like, hey, you can buy these things and hold them here. You can buy these things and move them onto other wallets. And I think they have like a staking piece or an earn type of um, type of vehicle. But but that's it. So yeah, this is. Uh, I think this is the thing to watch. I mean, this is the thing that's going to tell you if the U.S. government's going to be really foolish about this and kind of withdraw the United States out of kind of this emerging technology of the electro the ability to have things that can't be copy and pasted that are digital you know that's to me that's that's kind of the core the core value for what kind of cryptocurrencies blockchain and and things like bitcoin so so yeah i mean if if the united states kind of starts to push that out then these guys are just going to go somewhere else like it's going to happen yeah well and from a price perspective for those of you that own crypto you probably saw a huge drop i think it was between about five and ten percent on most of the cryptos yesterday, which dropped Bitcoin from what, like twenty-seven down to twenty-five-five or something like that. Yeah, twenty-five. That's what I saw today. Yeah. So, and it's it, it seems to be kind of holding that area. I think one of the interesting pieces to all of this is, I think we're approaching or right around the two hundred day moving average too. Yeah. Two hundred day, two hundred week, one of the two. So it's kind of testing that again, and if it bounces back up. Great. If it goes underneath, then <laughs> that might not be good either. <laughs> yeah, technical analysis is is fun and games, but when the SEC sues the two largest um, exchanges, maybe maybe the maybe reading charts isn't the best thing, and maybe macro is in control. We'll, we will see what happens. I was reading a little bit about some of the open options and things like that. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of very smart people out there that are understanding the game. The big the big problem that I think we keep seeing is the institutional investors have not really jumped in full force in the crypto like they have in the past. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with a lot of this. The retail side of thing is still buying the dip as much as they can, right? But you can only have that happen for so long. Um, well, and if we are going into a recession and you have an inflationary environment where food and shelter and kind of the staples are costing more, that's less money that's available to invest in in things like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So, so yeah, I mean, you got some, some downward pressure uh, from the retail side, but honestly, if this, you know, this is like a necessary piece, right? The, the SEC has to sue these guys. They have to decide if it's an unregistered security. They have to decide which, which cryptos 
you know, can play ball and which ones can't. And, and honestly, what, you know, is Bitcoin really going to be held to a different standard than the rest of cryptocurrencies? Because if you're, I mean, if you're a fiduciary, you can't play in this game. You're, you have a responsibility not to throw money at stuff that's, you know, has a potential to go to zero, right? Like you're, you're legally ob obliged to, to not do that. So, so go ahead, man. Uh, you know, it's going to take a couple years. We'll have a happening retail will do its thing. You know, maybe, maybe it's a little bit, um, maybe it's a little su like suppressed uh, next year. Cause this is going to take a couple years, but yeah, I mean, go ahead and resolve it. Like this, this is going to happen. So let's just make, let's just eat it, make it happen. It probably needed to happen a couple of years ago. It would have been easier. Yeah. Not as many people involved. It would, if they're, if the U.S. government's intention is really to stop things, it would have been way easier to do four or five years ago. The interesting piece to all this, too, is the head of the financial committee and the head of the agricultural committee, which is pretty much the guys that somewhat deal with SEC and CFTC, have proposed a uh, crypto framework for regulation that's like a 162-page bill pretty much says if it if it's deemed a security the sec has jurisdiction if it's deemed a commodity the cftc has jurisdiction and they're trying to get both sides of the house to at least have a conversation about all of this now that was days before the sec decided to, to sue everybody so who knows what's going to happen with all of this but at least the initial view of that i know coinbase had kind of come out and said they like the look of this framework from the initial perspective that they saw granted had a 162 pages so they had a lot more to dive into Masari, which is one of the leading crypto intelligence companies out there had had some pretty bullish remarks too so maybe this forces everybody to actually put together some sort of crypto framework and try to catch back up to where the eu is since they've already implemented mica and then even like singapore and a few other places in the far east uh, shoot even hong kong is about to legalize crypto trading <laughs> and if you look at what china had done they had banned it completely right so this is interesting to see that hong kong is maybe the the way that crypto gets back into to china mainland as well yeah i mean you know if if there's a framework for corporations to follow then all of these um i would say all of the substantial cryptocurrencies right like top 50 i don't know whatever whichever ones have enough manpower to actually build out and report as if they're a security if they start reporting as a security then then what's the next problem right like if they if the now that they now that like matic and cosmos and and cardano are listed as securities by the sec okay so start being transparent and start doing you know all the securities um following all the securities regulation they're they're big enough to do it uh, you know i mean there's there's plenty of public companies that aren't that big that are following securities laws so if they start doing that and becoming acting as those their securities to me if you're one of the first cryptocurrencies to do that and and start to comply that's a huge advantage as far as getting investments in where if the, the u.s government said hey you, you're you're uh, you're acting as an unregulated security, and then even before this lawsuit's done, you you start acting like a regulated security and and following all the rules. Well, I would think that cryptocurrency investments would flow your way more so than to you know an, another 
cryptocurrency that's that does some kind of similar use case you know you're kind of built around the same thing so i why not just start acting like it like i, I you know what's the downside you're spending a bunch of money on lawyers like either way so um, i wonder how i wonder i wonder what the cost of just saying okay we're a security and we're going to act like a security i wonder what the cost of that is compared to the cost of a lawsuit yeah that is kind of interesting i know the other thing that uh, we talked about a little bit earlier uh, before we jumped on this was how the sec was thanking i think 10 different states for their help with assistance in looking at this task force to go after coinbase and, and binance and what was interesting to me was that new york was not listed in that list of states which new york has typically been the strictest state out there in terms of crypto one of the only states out there that did not allow celsius and voyager and all the other guys that went bankrupt to do business in, in new york yet coinbase you can pretty much do business in new york on coinbase so it's kind of interesting to see that they didn't have the strictest state in there where they just had a bunch of other states and i wonder what that means in terms of was the sec able to stronghold some states into this or what their view is versus some of the other ones yeah, now that's interesting because New York also had a state bill that almost passed that was very anti-crypto. I think it was a, I think it was a, a mining ban before everybody else moved to proof of stake uh, a couple of years ago, and it almost passed where that you couldn't mine Bitcoin. You couldn't like no matter what your energy source was, you couldn't mine Bitcoin and and other proof of work cryptocurrencies. But it failed in like the ninth hour. Um, so yeah, I mean, New York's been very unfriendly. So yeah, you would think if there's a multi a multi state task force to be unfriendly to crypto, they would be to loop in New York because they've already done it in yeah. multiple different ways. But I mean, all I mean, of course, the states that we've talked about over the past few months that are pretty pro crypto, of course, none of those are listed on this task force. Right. The um, Alabama is on there, and Alabama was one of the ones I think was it Tommy Tuberville was yep. anti crypto, even though he knows nothing about it. He's just no, uh, kind of an idiot. <laughs> uh, well, I so, mean, he, he he's one of those he's one of those guys that does really well uh, with his investment decisions out there. Like, <laughs> I'd I'd like to see what his investment what his track record was before he got into Washington D.C. versus after, because he 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 he's he might uh, he might be smart enough to hear some things in committees and then, you know, put his chips in the right spot on the table and, and do well on, uh, in the stock market. I don't think he had done as well as Elizabeth Warren, but I think I did see that stat somewhere. And he was he was up in like the top five or 10 of all mm -hmm. the senators out there that have done very well with their investments since being employed yeah. in the in the Senate. So no, yeah. like if you so not to go on a fun tangent too bad here, but like if you take so California is in on that list of um, states that were on that task force, but Texas and Florida are not. And I mean, you got to put New York on the side of California, like whether they're in that listed on that form or not. They're definitely they're not where Texas and, and Florida are, you know, like, you know, Wyoming is great and all, but they're not it's not Texas or Florida. So you're, you're talking about some pretty heavy hitter states, man uh that are taking sides in this kind of the kind of debate so i'm curious to see where this thing goes california the th crazy thing to me is california is where all this stuff starts like this is all tech related you know this is this the, california's ability to shoot themselves in the foot like has no bounds so 
I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what, where this goes politically, but yeah, whatever, man. I, I, I'm usually, I'm usually on the, the minority side of political arguments. So I, I don't, I don't like my chances. It makes me feel like I'm in a good spot, but, but yeah, man, there's just so many old people in that, that influence politics and old people just don't even bother to start learning this stuff. Well, there seems to be a mass exodus out of California right now, too. <laughs> All this right. going on, right? California is literally shooting themselves in the foot because guys like Joe Rogan are saying, I'm getting out of here and going to Texas to Texas. save millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk, pretty much the yep. same thing with yep. Tesla. Well, I mean, so. I mean, you're seeing a lot of tech companies that are saying, oh, we don't need to be, we don't need to have employees in Silicon Valley anymore. We can have them spread out around the, the country because it's a heck of a lot cheaper and easier. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those things like, okay, yeah, California is really dumb and they shoot themselves in the foot, but they still have a lot of power, man. And they got a lot of money and they got a big, like, as a, as far as state GDPs go, you know, they're, um, they're kind of a player on the global stage. Um, they used to be like the, I don't remember what it was, eighth, eighth largest economy in the world you know, basically their economy is greater than almost all the other countries. So I don't know, man, this is, this is definitely like the breaking point or like a tipping point for cryptocurrency. Uh, like it, we're, we're approaching that. Like it's been building up. I mean, this is, this was like my 2017 things like, man, should I get into, should I get into this or not? Like this is you know, government regulations way up there on the list of things that could screw this thing up. So this is worth watching. Well, this regulation was our number one theme that we were going to see in 2023. And this is the, <laughs> this is, yeah, about this as hot and center as you can have it. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle of the year. So speaking of regulation, I know we had some bank failures that those almost are not even being talked about right now. But there <laughs> has been some, so Silvergate was one of the ones that failed. They have apparently until I think the 11th of June to submit their official liquidation plan. I think it officially they had 10 days from the 1st of, of June. So they will theoretically be liquidating the entire bank here momentarily. And, and I think what I've seen, and I need to go do some more research, but it's crazy out of these three big banks that did fail, none of these were on the FDIC's uh, problem list. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's still a whole bunch of other banks that are on this problem list. and. We'll have to do some more research on that, but it's it's just crazy how all this is happening. And I guess we'll see what happens here in about a week and what that liquidation thing means for for Silvergate and for the rest of the banks out there. Yeah, the, the banking thing's wild. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy um, here locally that is is kind of high up in some regional bank in a regional bank, and we're like, "Yep, nobody's talking about this. It's, it's a huge deal, and nobody's talking about it." Yeah. So yeah, this because I was like, look, you know, the government created this new insurance plan for banks where if you have mortgage-backed securities or bonds that are underwater, you can return them at par, and you know, it's like a one-year loan at no interest, and blah 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 blah. I'm like, if I'm a bank, I want a thousand percent take that because it seems like they just turn those loans into forgiven loans. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. The PPP loans were supposed to be loans, and then they just said, "You know what? It's too much hassle for us to kind of collect on those loans, so just keep the money." So yeah, man, I'm like, 
if I'm a bank that's in trouble, I'm like, yeah, here's all of my crappy assets. Give me all that cash. Sure, I'll pay you back in a year. A year from now, we're going to be in worse shape. They're not going to make these banks go. They're not going to force a bank failure because they're requiring banks to pay back these loans. So I would take that money all day. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if they start doing that. <laughs> I mean, they've now raised the debt ceiling to unlimited for the next couple of years, right? So in some other news, Celsius had some, I guess, positive news. They officially have a, a buyer now for Celsius. So Fahrenheit was the one that ended up winning the bid. I'm not even sure what the official bid was, but all it took was $10 million for them to put down <laughs> to control all the assets. And, and granted, they had what $1.7 billion hole in assets where they they owed $5.5 billion, but only had $4.3 billion in assets. But still, now they kind of control all this for just $10 million down which is kind of crazy. They have, Celsius has kind of redone some of their staking. And since they have pushed out how long it will be until they give away their funds back to their users, uh, they are taking some of the Ethereum that they do have and actually putting it into uh, a staking node. And they are creating their own nodes. Now, because of all the Ethereum that they have and all the nodes they're creating, it's actually adding about a week of total time to get those nodes taken care of. So instead of 38 days or something like that, it's now up to like 45 days for this all of a sudden to be staked, um, which delays pretty much everybody out there trying to stake their Ethereum. Now, during all this, they'll be able to earn some Ethereum at the same time and theoretically help cut into some of that debt that they owed. And then the other benefit that they have from all this is they have a hundred megawatt Bitcoin mining facility that they'll be able to get up and running at some point and hopefully use those assets to help pay off some of that debt too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that people are willing to take a hundred megawatt uh, chance on mining Bitcoin. I mean, the likelihood of Bitcoin going to zero when people are making those kind of bets. You know, pretty, pretty, it makes me feel better. Like things like this make me feel better uh, after speaking about all these regulations thing and trying to, you know, the U.S. government trying to stifle cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Yeah. And, I mean, shoot, they put almost $800 million of Ethereum into staking contracts, right? Now it's probably less now after the drop yesterday, but <laughs> it's still, I mean, you're talking about a lot of Ethereum uh, that yeah. be going into staking contracts. We haven't talked about Doquan in a while. Doquan was, I guess, out over in Montenegro, arrested for apparently trying to use fake passports to get to Costa Rica. And he has officially posted bail and they have accepted it in Montenegro. So he's stuck in an apartment in Montenegro with him and one other guy. I think they paid about 400,000 euro each to, to do that. So they're stuck in their apartment in there until they can, I guess, put them on trial, which is kind of crazy that Montenegro is putting them on trial mainly. It almost <laughs> sounds like for passport issues instead of all the other crap that went on, like Interpol has like a red notice out on Doquan. Right? The U.S. wants them in here. South Korea wants them. Everybody wants them, but Montenegro hasn't been as doing something with them. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that there'll be some kind of weird uh, U.S. government aid 
bill that comes across in Montenegro gets a big chunk of cash and then, you know, surprise, Doquan goes, Doquan's extradited. Like, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like that's why Edward Snowden's in Russia because it's like Russia, Russia's not going to cut a deal with the United States to extradite me. <laughs> but like Montenegro is not, not quite where Russia is. So they, they probably can get bought for, uh, for maybe like, I don't know, half a billion dollars or something. Yeah. We can print whatever we want. So they, uh, there's pretty much a blank check is what they're getting for the most part. Yeah. Well, uh, well, fortunately we have a debt ceiling that allows for blank checks. Yeah. So the other, uh, I mean, of course, I always want to mention something about NFTs, and there's been a lot of really interesting things here in the past week with some pretty major brands out there and what they're doing from an NFT perspective. So ANA, which is Japan's largest airline group, has released some NFTs, and really the whole goal for them is to get further connected to their customers. So it's uh, I think they're like little digitized pilots and some pictures of planes that some artist or photographer has taken. Uh, I, I really, really don't know the advantages they're going to get from all this, but it is kind of cool that you have a huge airline company that is releasing these NFTs. And then Mercedes-Benz, they actually have a group called Mercedes-Benz NXT, which is kind of like the next generation uh, digital assets and experiences group. And their first drop for NFTs is supposed to happen here pretty soon. It's going to be like a thousand NFTs. And I think they partnered with somebody specific to, and I forget who the name of the guy that did the design, but it's pretty much what they are looking at is how to utilize NFTs and digital experiences to further build their customer loyalty as well. And then the last one that I had was uh, Nike and EA Sports just signed an agreement. So Nike has their dot swoosh NFTs. And what they are saying, and there's very little detail that came out on it so far, but you can utilize those dot swoosh NFTs and really create a more immersible experience and then kind of new levels of connection in the EA Sports ecosystem. So exciting to see right what really happens to is to be determined but you have a lot of very major companies that i mean mercedes-benz is a car company that is kind of old school for the most part that is now embracing digital assets and and doing more of that which is really intriguing yeah i mean mercedes-benz nike and ea sports those are you know those are companies everybody's heard of um and you know i've got i've got a 10 year old kid and to see where he and his friends want to spend their money or what they want to cash in birthday, you know, birthday presents for a lot of it is really dumb, like in game skins and in like, you know, I, I'm honestly, I'm like, look, you can't play video games anymore. This is too stupid. <laughs> this is <laughs> such a stupid way to spend your money. It's like the game. The, oh yeah. Games are free. But if you want to wear this freaking monkey suit, it's uh That'll be two dollars and ninety nine cents worth of worth worth of in game currency that, that is at an exchange rate that's difficult to calculate to dollars. So it's like, look, they're just tricking you into taking your money so you can wear this monkey suit and run around and shoot people. Like, don't do that. But um, there's for for every kid whose dad's like looking at it that way. There's got to be two hundred kids that are just like, 
I want Z bucks or, or V bucks or Roblox bucks or EA sports bucks or whatever. So yeah, they're, they're going to, they're going to find a way to turn that into more money. And then if you can use an NFT so that you're like, you create whatever EA sports. So you create a uniform and then you can, I don't, I don't know if this is what they're doing, but if you create an NFT with that uniform, now it's, it's, it's uniquely yours. That's, that's kind of a valuable piece, right? Because right now you go into a shop and you pick a predetermined uniform to wear. Um, but making it and then you're like, yep, this is, this one's locked in as mine. I have the effectively have the rights to it, right? It's yeah. non-fungible. And so, you know, I can see where they would do some neat stuff there. Like we've talked about it before and, and I'm, again, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm on the outside of the gaming thing, but it's, there's a, there's a ton of opportunity for it. And I think that the gaming brain would somehow appreciate the NFT piece of it. So I, I think that that'll be one of those early use cases that um, that's kind of like goofy. It doesn't seem like it's valuable, but then somebody will figure out how to use that technology in more of a real world situation outside of gaming. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like these little, these little, attempts to use nfts and cryptocurrencies and and bitcoin you know they some of them seem dumb but four years from now it may be like oh man this whole thing started out when ea sports got into nfts and it's crazy i don't remember where i saw it but uh, i think gaming is like the second highest dollar total spent on anything i think nfl may be the only one that's above that which is kind of crazy to even see um, but if you all of a sudden turn NFTs into more gaming and allow more and more of this to fall into the Web3 space, that's a ton of money that can come on to into Web3 in crypto yeah. in general. So it's, it is it is one of those things that I think we've kind of talked about is one of the, one of the things that will probably drive crypto adoption because of the younger generation wants to play games. They want to do all this stuff. This allows them to own it themselves, and if they ever want to do something with it, it's they have the rights to it, right? So it's it, it's really cool to see. I think think it's still a couple of years away before it really becomes mainstream, but it's um, I mean we're we're getting to experience stuff right now that is kind of just fun to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I wonder what the energy consumption in the video gaming industry is, because <laughs> I mean, if the government, if the U.S. government decides they don't like it, like, there's <laughs> okay, well, now video games got real expensive because it's twenty percent tax on your on your electric bill if you're playing video games with your electricity. Well, at some point they're going to go after Christmas lights and everything too. It's uh, yeah, yeah. it's when they don't, get yeah. you, you can't let the government start telling you what is a good way to use electricity and a bad way to use electricity. That's dangerous. Hence why we got to stay away from the whole CB, CBDCs. Right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I, I cracked this joke with my buddies when they were talking. So they, they, this is about to be a tangent. We're about to go. We're about to go in left field. <laughs> so there's an article about uh, non-terrestrial technologies and basically alien technologies. There's a whistleblower who uh, who came out and said, yeah, we've been finding these things for like 80 years and da 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 My buddy sent me a text and he's a pretty serious guy. And I was like, man, I don't have time for another conspiracy theory that is probably going to be true. Like, just I'll wait until this one's true, right? Because I've chased all these other ones and tried to, you know, like the Epstein thing and like the freaking, I mean, the JFK assassination was like, how much time was wasted on that conspiracy theory? And then, you know, oh, yeah, the CIA did it. That Y'all are right. 
<laughs> like I'll just wait until. And so, uh, so yeah, man. Sometimes you just have to like the CBDC sounds like a conspiracy theory for the government to control you know how you spend your money and all this other stuff. I'm like, man, all of these conspiracy theories turn out to be true. Like, you know, if I've learned one thing from COVID, it's like if it's if it's uh, if it's deemed a conspiracy theory by the government, that's kind of like code word for yeah, you're you probably got it right. <laughs> We're just trying to hide it at this point. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think. Um, the CBDC thing is, is, I used to be like, yeah, whatever, man. Uh, you know, government won't do that. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I'm not putting anything past anybody anymore. Well, considering there's what 11 of them out there existing in other countries and 18 about to happen, like it's coming. I know the oh, US is, not, is not leading in this space right now, but uh, once they find out how everybody else is able to maximize their control with it, then they're going to try to do it too. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, if you can, like, if you can basically say, yeah, if you if your money sits in your your checking account for for six months, you know, you start to lose one percent a month until you spend it, uh, you can really control the economy and you can the velocity of money and and all of that. So, uh, like, you need a little uh, GDP bump, make everybody spend their money, like <laughs> that'll be great for the economy. Uh, so yeah, that's is uh, yeah, CBDC is worth um, worth you know being being against. So I know we talked about a bunch of things there here. The SEC news, of course, being the largest. I'm sure that'll be continued a continued uh, theme for us over the next few weeks as things start to come out more about it. Next few years, probably at this point. Right. Yeah, weeks. we're gonna we're gonna have to like not make this uh, like a weekly update on the regulation, uh, <laughs> uh, the lawsuit between the SEC, Binance, and Coinbase, or, it'll, or uh, nobody will want to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know there's probably a bunch of things that we did miss, as always, but uh, I know we're coming up on kind of the time. So, how great to chat, and we'll talk again next week and see what the latest is at that point. <laughs> all right, man. Sounds good. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.